Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. And in this show, we continue our in-depth look at the Texans draft picks with Joe Musato, who covers OU for the Oklahoma right now, but who covered Kentucky and Texans second round pick Lonnie Johnson Jr. just a couple of years ago. And he wrote this extraordinary in-depth piece about Lonnie. And we're going to go into that just a little bit. But first, Joe, thanks for taking the time to do this and revisit Lonnie's story. Yeah, no, no problem at all. Lonnie's got a really cool story, so I'm, I'm glad to be talking about it with you. Man, we could we could give 40 times or tackle numbers or, or coverage ratings, but Lonnie Johnson's story is so much deeper than all that. Can you start by taking us where Lonnie came from, a place he referred to, uh, and what a phrase this is, a killer's playground. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's talking about Gary, Indiana, uh, where he grew up, where his family grew up. And from the moment we first started talking to him when he arrived at Kentucky, he was an early enrollee uh, coming out of junior college in January 2017. And I just remember, you know, they had all the early enrollees there. Most of them were freshmen. But Lonnie just stood out because he was sort of overwhelmed with kind of talking about his past and everything, every step he had to take to to get to Kentucky. And I think Gary, Indiana, which I, I think it shaped him more than anything. Like I've never talked to somebody whose hometown influenced their life more than Lonnie's just kind of growing up around uh, so much gang violence, uh, so many friends uh, who had been killed growing up. Uh, Deja, who was a who was a girl that you know he referred to as his sister, but it was um, a daughter of one of his mom's best friends. She was shot by a stray bullet. So just going to Gary and, and sort of you know I, I didn't see any violence in Gary. I think what you see now is a town that just um, is more dilapidated than anything, and it's just really really sad to see. Um, but he he just reflected so much on that, and and I wanted to go there and find out more about it. Yeah, Gary was a real mess, and uh, we might get into that a little bit more. But before he finished his first year as a student at Kentucky, he returned home for three separate funerals. And these couple lines pretty much tell the story of how it was for Lonnie. You wrote, uh, quote, he's seen pickup basketball games where people tuck pistols in their waistbands. He's had a teammate who walked home from football practice and was shot. A, a cousin was shot in the back of the head while writing with the wrong people. This is somebody, Joe, who isn't going to forget where he came from, like you said. And just so he doesn't, what's the tattoo that he's got written on his chest or he has on his chest? Yeah, I mean, he's got, well, there's multiple tattoos, but one of them's Scary Gary. He's got one that's 8th and Durban Street, which is a picture of his house. Um, Deja, the the girl I just referenced earlier, that's one tattoo. And I, I think the tattoos, you know, they, they mean so much to him. I mean, they all have a meaning. After practice one day, um, I was talking to him and he had just, he was just finished working out uh, and he had his shirt off and you can see all these tattoos and it's just incredible as he goes just one by one, all of them have this, you know, incredibly deep meaning. And you're just thinking this guy's like, you know, 20 years old, basically. It's, it's just, um, it's crazy to think what he's been through. Yeah, one of the tattoos is is actually his house that he grew up with right. on his chest, and uh, it, it's it's almost like a memorial to what he's been through. When you you talk about those tattoos, uh, another one uh, with uh, his, you know, it's his uh, right wrist with the red rose wrapped around. 
I think in in one piece I saw he, maybe he referred to Deja as his cousin, but you know you kind of gave the relation there. But she died mm-hmm. in, in a drive by at just fifteen years old, and they were really close. Uh, just you know, she would also uh, was in track in school like he was, and and so he would go to her meets in middle school, and she would go see his meets in, in high school. And, and he also wears a purple band on his wrist that she gave him, which uh, he never takes off. So it, the whole thing is like his life story. Yeah, it, exactly. And you know, you you can feel that when you talk to him, and you know, he's not. He, he's got a fun personality. I mean, you know, he'll he'll be a guy that was always fun to talk to after games. He, he was real insightful. But there's sort of this weight uh, on his shoulders, it seems, constantly. And, and I think it's that's what he's motivated by. His high school, Westside, produced uh, 50 college athletes since 1992. It's interesting because Lonnie played basketball when he was in high school, said he thought uh, he'd be the next Derrick Rose. And I even saw on his Kentucky bio that his favorite movie is Love and Basketball. So he, he, he loved basketball a lot, didn't he, Joe? Yeah, exactly. He was a, he was a big-time basketball player from what it uh, sounded like. He, he did a little bit of everything. His mom actually ran track at the same high school. Uh, but he had a lot of positive influences at that high school that sort of pushed him into sports. And I just think once he started playing football, he, he excelled so much. and obviously excelled in the secondary at Kentucky and that's what got him drafted, but he played a little bit of everything uh, on, on the field at Westside and Gary. He ends up going to a community college, a Juco, but he was supposed to go to Ohio state. What went wrong? What happened there? Yeah. So, I mean, there was a number of things that went wrong, but the, the biggest thing that he says went wrong is that his name got misspelled on his ACT and that disqualified him. And he swears that, you know, that is a mistake that he didn't make. He says it was a computer glitch, if I'm remembering correctly. And basically that started a spiral of, you know, there was multiple Division One schools that were recruiting him at the time. Kentucky was actually one of them, although they weren't one of his favorites back then. Um, and that basically sent him to junior college. And I think it put him in sort of a bad place mentally. Uh, but then he ended up getting back. He ends up at Kentucky, but he chose Kentucky over Georgia. So maybe, you know, the perception of his ability would be different in the draft if he ends up at Georgia, the the better reputation. So that's kind of interesting. There's one paragraph in your piece, though, that looks very prescient when you look back at this piece from a couple of years ago, which describes how one of his JUCO coaches, a guy by the name of Jeff Sims, uh, who ironically is also uh, now the head coach uh, he's moved on to the head coach of uh, Missouri Southern and Joplin, where I, I spent my first couple of years. So I've heard of this guy and he thought he could be a first round draft pick. Sims did. But Sims said Lonnie doesn't know what that takes. He's never been pushed hard enough to know what he's capable of. He has a similar size to another of Sims, former corners, uh, Stanley John Baptiste, a, a second round pick by the Saints. Sims said, uh, quote, uh, and this is from, right from your story. Lonnie is way better than Stanley. Yeah. When I sometimes like when you're, you know, doing these interviews and talking to people, something just like raises your eyebrows. And that was one uh, that did for me. Just I I remember talking to Coach Sims back then and he was so open about Lonnie and, and basically questioned whether or not Lonnie had maybe the the work ethic or the drive to get to that level. But there was no doubt that he thought Lonnie could be a first round pick potentially. Um, or at least, you know, uh, 
a high a high round pick in the NFL draft. And Lonnie was open about it as well. I mean, it, it didn't work out exactly how he envisioned, but he thought he might only go to Kentucky for one year and get drafted. Ended up staying for two years. That proved to be the right decision. But like the things they talked about, you know, looking back, it, it's kind of it's kind of surreal to see that some of them came true. There was a story that, you know, he was with, we go back to coach Sims uh, a little bit. There was a story that, you know, while, while he was getting coached by coach Sims, I mean, he wasn't doing his classwork. So coach Sims calls his mom, Nora and Nora says to Lonnie, Hey, look, I, I, I'm taking two jobs. I'm working two jobs. So, so you and your brother can get through school. And that was the moment um, that changed everything, I think, for Lonnie, as far as the work ethic and the drive. The relationship he has with his mom is really strong, and she's been one of the constants in his life. And I think he thought to himself, she's doing all this, like, what am I doing? And then from there on, like, his car had a lot of troubles, like, whenever there was bad weather. But he said nothing stopped him kind of from that point on to, to get to class and to turn in his work. And from all indications, it was never a problem, even as he struggled to qualify in the first place. Um, I don't think any of those problems still got to him at Kentucky and it seemed like uh, he was able to turn it around academically. Yeah, we've got to talk about his parents a little bit because, uh, you know, they are so much a part of this. And his dad, uh, he nicknamed him Lotto. Uh, so Lonnie thinks he's lucky, which is really fascinating when you consider what he's been through. And in another story I read about him, Joe, from another piece, there's a description of him getting bullied all the time as a kid because he was so small. He would run home scared and crying from the bullies. So one day, his parents, uh, Nora and Lonnie, locked the screen door when he tries to run home from the bigger bully. They made him fight the bully, which he did. And they said they weren't going to let him get killed, but but he needed to learn how to fight for himself. I, I never heard about that one, but I mean, it, it doesn't sound... Uh totally inconceivable there. I mean, he's got that. Let's just say if, if that happened today, I don't think that bully would want any part of Lonnie Johnson. <laughs> that's true. That's the truth. Uh, uh, a couple more things. Uh, the NFL network draft analyst, Bucky Brooks scouting sources have told him they believe Johnson and time could be the best cornerback of the draft class, better than greedy Williams, Byron Murphy and, and Deandre Baker. Uh, one of the questions that'd be obvious for a lot of NFL teams, Joe, which you know, I mean, I'm sure you've thought of this with Johnson's background is how he would deal with the entourage of people in his background with, you know, all this stuff that we know about Gary and, and you know, his family and where they come from and maybe wanting money or whatever else. But apparently Lonnie would answer that question by flopping his left arm on the table. And I don't know if you remember this particular tattoo, Joe, but on his arm, he's got a tattoo with a serpent sinking its fangs into an open hand with the words, trust no one. That's interesting. I mean, I've got no doubt that I, I'm not, I'm not even sure he's got, you know, any, you know, people, you know, back in Gary who are negative influences in that way. I mean, I think he does. I, I'm sure it would be a thing where he would want to take care of his mom and take care of his family the best he can, but that's, that, that's interesting. I mean, and especially kind of what you said about the scouting service saying he could potentially turn into the, the best corner in the draft. One thing I just wanted to touch on is his last year of junior college, he didn't, he did not even play football. So he was very raw when he came to Kentucky. He didn't play football that year before at Garden City Junior College in Kansas uh, because he was solely focused 
on academics. So probably the Lonnie Johnson that Texans fans see initially is is still not a refined version and still probably not as polished as some of the other corners in the draft. But I think it's a total play on potential. What did his coaches think of him? Do you remember, you know, what they had to say about Lonnie when you, you talked to him? Uh, at Kentucky? Yeah. They they had targeted Lonnie when he was coming out of high school and didn't really factor into his recruitment. But he was very close to Vince Marrow, who is the recruiting coordinator and tight ends coach at Kentucky. Mark Stoops obviously spe- specializes in coaching the secondary. So Lonnie fit exactly what he wanted to do. And I think Lonnie, that was a big part of him committing to Kentucky the second time is to have a guy like Mark Stoops. You know, there's not too many defensive-minded coaches still, uh, but to have one especially that was committed to, uh, who had a background in coaching secondary. You know, you feel like with growing up in Gary and all the moving around that he's had, he's really going to embrace Houston, and he's making fans here really quickly because not long after he was drafted, the night of Game 2 of the Rockets-Warriors series, I I noticed that he tweeted out, let's go Rockets. Yeah. So (laughs) that's smart, uh, a smart thing to do. Uh, before I give you a last word on him, Joe, and, you know, just your memory of, of doing that story, you know, I'm, I'm going to give you a description of one more of his tattoos that really tells his story. Uh, there's one that he's got where it, it, it's rising up his arm. There's a staircase. And at the bottom of the staircase, it's a small depiction of himself. And in the middle of the staircase is an I-65 sign. I-65 is the highway that's the quickest one out of Gary, Indiana. At the top of the staircase is a ticking clock. Uh, the general idea is Lonnie needs to get the top, to the top of the staircase before time runs out. Yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that's exactly what he meant. He was, you know, he talked about even though he would not be Lonnie Johnson without Gary, it was very. He made it plainly clear that he wanted to get out of Gary and that Gary wasn't going to be where his future was just because to no fault of his own or his family's. I mean, Gary just isn't a a desirable place uh, to live anymore. And I think that, you know, that draft night was the culmination of maybe getting out before that clock stopped. Well, it's it's an extraordinary piece. I tweeted it out after the draft when I saw it. You know, the story of of him is just – it's it's something that you, you got to root for. There's so many of the Texans draft picks uh, this year that that's the case with. I, I'm sure this is one that will stick with you a little bit, won't it, Joe? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's he's one of those people that you know I'm not, I'm I'm not covering Kentucky anymore, but he's a guy that I'm going to be following with the Texans just because you get sort of attached to stories like that that you worked on for a long time and. And I, I just got to really respect Lonnie, and he, he's he's just fun to watch play football. So I, I think uh, Texans fans are going to be really, really happy, and, and it seems like he's already endearing himself to the, to the city. Well, I can't tell you enough how much we appreciate you sharing some of these thoughts and the, and the stories and, and remembering uh, the whole situation with Lonnie and, and what it was like to, to go back and, and sort of revisit, you know, what, what he had gone through. But th- thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, it, it was great to look back upon. So thanks so much. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.